If you have your Bibles, the book of Mark chapter 15 is where we'll begin this morning. Mark chapter 15. We want to look in the 15th verse of Mark 15 and we'll begin to read the text. If you would stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's word. Mark 15 verse 15. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole band. And they clothed him with purple and planted a crown of thorns and put it about his head and began to salute him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote on him, excuse me, they smote him on the head with a reed and did spit upon him and bowing their knees worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. And they compelled one Simon, a Cyrenian who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. We'll stop reading there. I want to preach from this text, especially looking this morning in verse 24, at those soldiers who parted the Lord's garments and began to cast lots for that one prize. We know it was the coat, the inner robe of the Lord Jesus Christ. They began to gamble what every man should take. I want to preach on this thought, wearing the clothes of Christ. Father, would you help us now to preach the word, to be filled with the spirit? That means, Lord, that I must be cleansed of sin. Would you do that? Empty me of self. Would you do that? And fill us, Father. I know you will not feel an unclean vessel. So, Lord, would you take this old raven, and God, would you use him this morning, Father, to bring fresh biscuits, fresh bread, fresh meat to these today that are in need. God, open to us the word of God. Help us to see truth like we've never seen it. Save souls this morning, Lord, I'm asking. Encourage hearts. May there be somebody today that may need to rededicate their lives to you. God, I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen. amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Some few nights ago, we had an event here in the church parking lot called Trunk or Treat. And there were probably 25, 26 cars, I forget the number now that I counted, that had trunks decorated to give candy away. And hundreds of people came through that night. I lost count after 200 and something people, I began to lose count. And I sat there, uh, can't walk a whole lot right now because of my back, but I got the golf cart out and I sat in the golf cart there and I was welcoming people and inviting them to church and giving them directions about where to go and trying to be an encouragement. I prayed with two people. And as I sat there watching the events of that night, watching, God spoke to my heart. I watched how our church gathered to 
try to present the gospel and to try to make a way to share encouragement to other people and how you are working in the community. And I want to commend you and I want to thank you for your efforts because that was not a night that was wasted. That was a night of encouragement, giving away tracks and, and giving away candy and giving away smiles, handshake, handshakes and friendship. That was wonderful. And then God began to deal with me as I sat there. And Lord said, do you see the costumes that they've put on the children? I did. I saw one in a police officer's uniform I remember specifically. And, and I'll name that when I saw others. I said, yes, Lord, I see them. They're so cute and they're having such a good time. And the Lord said, how many of your adults are in costume? And I looked and I, at first I thought, well, I don't know if there's any adults here or not that are dressed up in police uniform. But then the Lord began to show me, I'm not talking about a costume like a fall costume that you would wear. He said, there are people that are here tonight wearing the clothes of Christ, but they're lost. And as I sat there, I looked immediately to my left where I was sitting up on the hill and I saw three crosses in the background. And I began to think about those soldiers that bowed at the foot of Christ's cross and gambled for his garments. There they were, one of them, won that robe and carried it home, maybe threw it over his back, wearing the clothes of Christ, but lost. From this text, number one, I want us to recognize the crucifixion's sight. Jesus has had the Last Supper with his disciples. He went into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. The Bible says that his sweat became as great drops of blood as he was in such agony. As he got up and began to come out of that garden, there came Judas, bringing with him the officers and the chief priests that they might arrest Jesus. They took Jesus and brought him to stand three illegal trials before the Jews. And then they took him to stand three illegal trials before the Romans. Pilate had said, I find no fault in this man. But to please the crowd, he took him and bound him, stripped him, and scourged him with a cat of nine tails. Not just 39 lashes, but lash after lash and cut after cut and bruise after bruise until his innocent blood was puddled up all over the ground. Pilate said again, I find no fault in him, but you have a custom that every year at the feast I can release unto you a prisoner. We have one here by the name of, Bar of Barabbas. We know that he is a man guilty of murder. He's a man guilty of sedition. And then we have Jesus, King of the Jews. Whom will ye that I should release unto you? And they said, give us Barabbas. He said, what should I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? They said, let him be crucified. The crowd demanded the release of Barabbas. They have chosen Barabbas, Jesus was exchanged for Barabbas. They chose a criminal rather than Christ. They chose a murderer rather than the master. They chose a seditionist rather than the Savior. And still Pilate took Jesus and said, I find 
no fault in him and washed his hands of the situation and said, Jesus, take him and let him be crucified. My Bible tells me that the soldiers stripped Jesus of his clothes and they clothed him with purple and they planted a crown of thorns and put him about his head and they knelt down to him and began to mock him and in mocking worship saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they hit him over the head with a reed which was like being smitten with a modern day two by four. And they spat, they spat upon my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when the only thing he was guilty of was loving me. My Bible says that they took, verse 20, that purple off of him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. Let him out. They're going outside the city walls. Outside the city is the garbage dump. Outside the city is where the lepers had to be. Outside the city is where you take things that are unclean and unpure. They took the darling son of God who was sinless and took him outside the city. Boy, that breaks my heart because they considered him vile and putrid and nasty and outside the city he was. My Bible says he was carrying that cross. They compelled one Simon the Cyrenian. They said, you carry his cross. Doesn't mean that was not on Jesus, but now beside Jesus. There's Simon and Jesus together collectively bearing that cross up Calvary's hill. They would have laid that cross down. Uh, that centurion or someone, some soldier would have taken their knee and driven it down to hold Jesus' arm. And they would have taken a spike, and not just in the hand, but in the wrist, in the bones there, so that it wouldn't pull loose, nailed an eight or nine or ten inch spike into his hands and then put their knee and held down the other hand and nailed him and nailed him. And you may say, preacher Darren, that's God. He didn't feel it. Honey, he was a man. He felt every ounce of pain and every ounce of grief and suffering for you and for me. And they crossed his feet and they nailed him and lifted him up on that cross down into the hole that dug. And there hangs Jesus, hanging, suspended between heaven and earth, dying in my place. If Barabbas was there, he knew Jesus was dying in his place on that cross that day. May I say this morning, Jesus, verse 22, is dying in the place of Golgotha, the place of the skull. Outside the city, Jesus bore our sins. Outside the city, Jesus was taking upon himself my sins and your sins. Outside the city, Jesus was made sin for us. And I'm telling you, if you're going to worship him, you're not going to worship him in the popularity of this world. You're going to have to get outside of the confines of this world to get to a place that you might call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, do you see the crucifixion site? Number two in verse 23, the Bible says they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but, but he received it not. Number two, He's refusing the calming sedative. The Roman soldiers attempt to give Jesus this drink of wine and myrrh as a sedative, something that was a 
painkiller. Many of you, I wouldn't dare ask, but I guarantee you they some of you got painkillers in your pocket. Oh, preacher, did I have a good reason? I'm in pain. I understand all about it, amen. But Jesus, when he was dying in our place, he did not take a sedative or a painkiller, but he refused it. Why, preacher Darren? He wanted to keep his mind clear. He wanted to make sure that he was bearing the full weight of our suffering and our sin so that no devil in hell could say, well, he was blitzed beyond the, out of his mind. He didn't realize what was happening to him. Honey, he had nothing to deaden the pain. He was bold. He was courageous. And he took upon himself my sin and your sins. He took upon himself the, the full wrath of God that we might be saved. Thank God for my Redeemer today. Number three in verse 24, the Bible says when they had crucified him, thirdly, he's receiving the capital sentence. Once again, they've stripped Jesus of his clothes. And at 9 a.m. in the morning, they've crucified Jesus upon that cross. He's made a trip from the courtroom to the cross. His hands and feet nailed to the tree, lifted up between two thieves. The Son of God is suffering. He's humiliated. He is scorned. He is shamed. He's looked down upon. Not just in that day, but probably even more so today. He is reviled. He is repulsed. When I read the text of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I don't see a lot of graphic details, but I know that today this gruesome act was done publicly so that all could see what happens when you go against the ways of the world. I see Jesus receiving the capital sentence. He died because of me. May I say it this morning and maybe you'll say amen. He died because of you. He died because he loves you. He died because he wants you to be forgiven. He wants you to go to heaven. He wants you to have liberty. He wants you to be saved today. Fourthly, and I'll be done. In verse 24, we see these soldiers after they crucified him. Pardon me. Bible says they parted his garments and they cast lots upon them what every man should take. Fourthly, I want us to realize the calloused souls that are at the cross scene that day. May we turn to John chapter 19 and read a parallel passage. John chapter 19 and verse 23 and 24. John chapter 19 verses 23 and 24. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus took his garments and made four parts to every soldier a part. That tells me that maybe there was a head dress that Jesus would have had, an outer robe, a coat or something that Jesus would have had. Maybe there were some sandals. Maybe there, he had at least four things that every man got one thing. Every soldier a part and also his coat. Now the coat, this is the innermost garment. Now the coat was without seam. 
Boy, what a picture that is of the perfection of Christ. Within, he's the son of an almighty God. He is perfect. Without seam, you'll find no faults in him. Woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. I believe these soldiers, as they gambled for that inner garment at the foot of the cross, they were indifferent to the suffering that Christ was enduring. They were uncaring. They were unconcerned. They were unmoved. They were hard-hearted. They were heartless. They were without feeling to what was taking place. It is a picture of us. Many of us get underneath the cross of Christ. We get under the truth of his word and we're uncaring about what he's gone through. We care more about football. We care more about the stock market. We care more about politics. We care more about the gas prices. We care about the election that's upcoming more than we care about what our Savior has endured that we might be here today on our way to heaven. At the foot of the cross, those soldiers are gambling for that garment to take it home as a trophy. There was a soldier that won that garment, that threw that over his shoulder and walked into his very own house. I don't know who his name was. But I know that this soldier threw that blood-stained garment and went to his house. The great tragedy of this hour is that people are wearing the clothes of Christ, but they're lost. They wear the robes of religion, but they do not know the Redeemer. They have religion on their back, but sin in their heart. There are many who claim Christ and His outer garments but they're lost. Many are few, but few are chosen. Inside, they're ravening wolves. They have the church, but no Christ. They have baptism, but no blood. They have religion, but no redeemer. I begin to think about a man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus, my Bible says, was a wealthy man. Nicodemus was a religious man. And at the cover of night, when nobody could know, Nicodemus walks out away from religion and comes to Jesus wanting to understand about salvation. Jesus said, ye must be born again. Here is a man that has won religion all the days of his life, but he's finally recognized religion cannot be enough. He will never get the job done. There must be another way. Jesus said, this comes by new birth. I could take you this morning to church after church who have dropped the doctrine of the new birth. We want to sing, but we don't want to sing about Jesus. We want to get up and talk, but we don't want to talk about Jesus. We want to talk about positive things, encouraging things. I'm telling you, you can be religious like Nicodemus, but you can be lost forever. 
I think about the Pharisees. Man, they were at every religious event. They were at the temple. They were at the synagogue. They'd have been at this church. They would have never, ever missed a service. They'd have put on their necktie if it took wearing a necktie. They wear their robes of righteousness. They made long prayers. You could always depend on them to pray long enough to get you from the front to the back to shake hands with people. You could always count on them boys to stand up and tithe. You could always count on them boys. They were wealthy. They were righteous. They knew the law. They knew the, they knew the scriptures better than most of us know the scriptures today. Yet all they did was walk around. Let me say this to you this morning. I don't care how many times you attend church, you can still come to church and be lost. You may get a little star by your name every time you come to kids' Sunday school class or adult Sunday school class. But honey, I'll tell you, it will not guarantee you a place in heaven. You can put all the stars, you can brag that you come to Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and that makes you better than everybody else. But honey, it don't. I'm telling you, it takes one trip to the altar to get saved. That's all it takes. Do not be a Pharisee. And come in here with your little necktie on and your little your britches or your, your dress or whatever it is you wear and come in here and do your little, your little thing and come in and sing I'll Fly Away and say that's good enough, I've served Jesus today. Honey, I'm telling you there's more to it than that. And just as those children put on a costume and when they got home or back in the car they took their costume off, that's what you're doing. You put on your costume to come to church and as soon as we get out of here, you're taking it right back off. And we'll do good to see you in about a month. Well, preacher, I'm, you're going to make me mad. I'm glad I make you something. You need to recognize wearing the clothes of Christ does not guarantee you salvation. It's just an outer garment. You must have an inner salvation through Jesus' blood. I thought about Judas. I went through all the disciples. I'm getting ready to preach about the disciples. I went through every single one of them. Peter, he was always open mouth, insert foot. One time he rebuked the Lord. We know he denied the Lord three times. James and John said, Lord, call fire down on them. I'm telling you, they were people that were filled with prejudice. Burn them up, Lord, burn them up. Get rid of them, kill them all. I could go through every disciple and tell you their faults, but I couldn't tell you one about Judas. He was the treasurer of the group. Every time you turn around, he's talking about poor people. He's always trying to help somebody. I mean, you think about it this morning. If y'all wanted to elect a pastor, while well, preacher Dan, we, we'd get Noah, but he got drunk. We'd get Abraham, but he lied. You'll find, we, we, we'd get King David, but, but David had an affair on his wife. Listen, you'll find faults with every man. I'm telling you, you look at Judas, you say, man, that's the guy right next week. Judas is going to preach a trial sermon, and I think he's our guy. He's trustworthy. He's handpicked of Jesus Christ. But I'll tell you what he did. All he did was wear the outer garments of religion. He could preach. He could heal people. He could cast out demons. Jesus gave him that power. But yet in the end, he betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ, sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. At least, I feel like I'm going to climb over the pulpit. At least he got 30 pieces of silver. What are you getting? What kind of deal have you made to sell your soul to sell your day of salvation. What are you getting? And yet I'm talking to people that are saved. I know I'm saved. Then where is your religion? Where is your walk with Christ? Where is your faith? You come in and play just like children wear a costume and you're playing. You're playing with the things of God. 
Listen to how quiet it gets in here. Let me tell you who else wears, a, wears the clothes of Christ. The old devil. The Bible says he can appear as an angel of light. He can look so righteous and so wonderful. He's subtle. He's cunning. He's deceitful. You'll never recognize he is the devil. And behind him is humanism, socialism, and all the isms. I'm telling you, underneath, he is the devil. What about a preacher? Is it possible for a preacher to just sit on a suit and tie and be in costume? You better believe it. Every man called of God has a special anointing on his life. He is not to be mama called and daddy sent. You hear me? We heard this morning, how shall they hear without a preacher? Hear me? The preacher with only a cloth covering is just a deceiver. He's a ravening wolf, a false prophet. He's dangerous. Will you hear me, Bethel? I had rather be a drunkard. I had rather be a drug addict or a drug pusher. I'd rather be a whoremonger than to be a fake counterfeit preacher wearing the garment of religion and stand in his pulpit and try to entertain you. What about a deacon? Could a deacon play costume? You better believe it. I could not tell you down through the years that how, I mean it's double digits how many deacons I've seen get saved by the good grace of God and had said I'm the devil played counterfeit with me, sold me a bill of goods. I thought everything was okay and everything was not okay. We were in bad shape. I'm telling you, I don't care what your position is as a Sunday school teacher. I don't care what your position is as a mama, as a daddy. I don't care how much money you give to the church. Honey, I don't care if you've been baptized many times. The, 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 the tadpoles know your first name. You have got to come by the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no other way applied to your soul. There's no other way. Don't come in here and be a fake. Don't come in here and be a counterfeit. And yet as I sat out there in our parking lot, God said, look. Man, doesn't that burden you? Man, that, I wanted to fall on my face in our parking lot at that very moment to say, oh God, is it me, oh Lord? Am I playing games? Have I got a false appearance, God? You know me. Lord, I want to be right with you more than anything else. What about the church? Could the church wear a false garment? Could the church wear the clothes of Christ and be lost? Well, the day of Laodicea, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That means he's outside. A true born-again church would have Jesus on the inside. Honey, he's welcome here. If you've been made uncomfortable by people going to the altar and the songs of Zion and the preacher being loud and, and at the same time preacher crying, honey, I'll not apologize. It's because Jesus is in here and he's welcome in the house of God today. And may his people praise him and may his people say, oh God, I don't want to be fake with you. Oh God, I don't want to put on a costume on Sunday morning. Lord, I want to live this. I want this to be my life every single day of the week. The church at Laodicea heard him knocking. They were wearing a costume of religion. Jesus said to them in Revelation chapter three, he said, you know not that you're poor Blind and naked. What about that? Why? Why did they not realize they were poor? Why did they not realize they were blind? Why did they not realize they were naked? Because they're going through the motions of church 
without Christ. It happens very often in the day and age which we live. There are pastors now and there are churches filled with deacons and leaders that said, oh, we better be careful and not go against the woke people. Well, I'm telling you, I'm getting ready to cut the alarm on. It's time to get over that junk and start walking and serving God and get back to his word. Quit listening to what people has to say. Listen to what God has to say. Listen to this. Is it possible for a church to gather and not really be saved? They wear the garment of playing church rather than praying in church. They wear the garment of good times rather than grace. They believe in lust, but they substitute it for love. They've got more soups in their kitchen than they do have spirit in the auditorium. They've got more sensation than separation. They've got more worldliness than worship. They've got more hate than holiness. They've got blasphemy rather than blamelessness. They've got storytelling rather than sermons. They've got turmoil rather than triumph. They've got vice rather than victory. They've got murmuring rather than mourning. In their little soup kitchens, they've got tea rather than tears. They've got fish rather than faith. They've got salad rather than salvation. They've got jelly rather than joy. It's a lifeless church. It's just an organization. I'm telling you, church, I am not here to lead an organization. I conclude with this. We meet a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was a man that was educated with the greatest education known to man. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees and a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And I'm telling you, when he heard about this thing called the church at grace, he was against it. He began to get letters to go arrest people and have them hauled off so they could be killed. He hated people with a passion. And one day with letters in his hand, going down to arrest local pastors and people that believed in Jesus Christ, a great light shined so great that it knocked him off his beast down into the Damascus dirt. And down there on all fours, he said, Who art thou, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And... Saul realized he had been having an outer garment of religion, which was never salvation. And he said, Lord, <laughs> whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, what will thou have me to do? I want you to go down to Simon's house. going to lay his hands on you. And you, for, for three days he was blind. The scales fell off. He got baptized and he went out preaching, honey. He realized it's been a wearing the clothes of Christ, but I've been lost. Let's go back to that soldier. That soldier won that garment. Woo-hoo! Woo! He's running home. Look, family, what I have won today. Threw it across his little boy. Daddy, it's heavy. Daddy, ooh. Daddy, it's got blood on it. He says, well, yeah, it's the blood of a man named Jesus that we crucified today. Jesus, get it off me. Daddy, you didn't crucify Jesus, Daddy. Yes, son, we did. Not Jesus who healed the multitudes. Not Jesus who fed the multitudes. Not, not Jesus who cleansed the lip, lepers. Not, not Jesus. I was there, daddy. He touched a blind man. And the blind, you know that old man down there? He can see, daddy. Daddy, why would you crucify such a good, such a great, such an innocent man as Jesus? Daddy, please tell me. Yes, son. 
We crucified him. I won this garment and your mama can wash it in gain or in Tide Pods and wash the blood out. It'll be okay, son. Imagine that soldier's dismay when now he's marked himself on the outside with the blood of Christ and religion and when he comes down to the day of his death, he dies and goes out and meets God his maker and said, I sent Jesus to die for you. You were on the front row seat to watch it all happen and yet you were more interested in the garments and the fabrics and the clothes and pretend and pretense and costumes than falling on your knees and repenting of your sins and being saved. Bethel Baptist Church, I want to teach you something today. If you're here and you're lost, or you're online and you're lost, this is your day to be saved. And if you're here, and every Sunday you come in, you put on a beautiful dress, you put on a nice suit of clothes. Look at y'all. Just look around. Look at y'all. Y'all look like you're ready to go to church today. Y'all took a shower. Most of you combed your hair. You got the matter out of your eyes. You've come to the house of God because I'm going to church. But did you put on a costume so that you wouldn't get judged for not having one on? You just hear, I talked to a Christian, and then as soon as you get home, you have no intention of ever coming back for another week or two or three. You have no intention of even opening your Bible, not another time this week. You have no intention of really praying at all that you'll talk about it. You have no intention on Monday morning, you're going to listen to the dirty jokes. You'll be telling some of yourself. You're going to be murmuring and complaining and fussing. Can you believe our low-down, no-count preacher got up there and said that we're up there playing games and it's just a costume. And look how you're living. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of this week. When God spoke to me, and said, how many of your adults are wearing a costume? It breaks my heart. Can you imagine how he must feel when he gave his son to bleed and die and suffer and to watch us play games for about an hour on Sunday and never return to it the rest of the week? I understand why he has a problem with that. I understand why he told his preacher to go preach. You can wear the clothes of Christ. That's great. But you can still be lost. You can wear the clothes of Christ and still have no power. No power. You wonder why you don't have power in your prayer life like you used to. You don't have, you don't, you don't want, you, you're wondering why when I read the word am I getting absolutely nothing? I don't understand it. So I look for other versions and I, I look for, for, for other perversions to try to, no. It's because there's something wrong in your life and you don't want to contend with it. You don't want to face it. You would rather blame it on somebody else. It's that preacher's fault. He's the pumpkin in the room. Let's blame him. You stand to your feet. Seth, I want you to come. I'm serious if I've ever been serious in my life. Preacher Dan, if I go up there, I was the first one to fall on my face when he spoke to me. Man, maybe you ought to do the same thing. Say, oh God, not at our church. Oh God, not at our church. Oh God, not my home. Oh God, not, please God. Oh, come on right now, would you mind him?
preacher there and I don't want to wear a costume. I don't really think I'm wearing a costume. I want to go to that old-fashioned altar and I want to say, God, you mean more to me than a costume. I want to confess that to you today. Lord, would you help me to live for you every day? Come on right now. Come on, mind him, church. Please mind him. Please, I'm begging you, please mind him. I know he spoke to more than just me. I know he has. I know he has. Hallelujah. Our Father and our God, as we bow before you and make our petition known, Lord, where we have played games and worn costumes, God, I pray you'd forgive us of being phonies, counterfeits, hypocrites. Lord, we come before you to say, God, we recognize you're the King of glory. You gave your Son for our lives, for our sins, that we might be saved, that we might live before you forever. And God, you've warned us. You spoke to our hearts. So Lord, we look to you for forgiveness and for satisfaction and for help. Lord, there are needs, great needs in our lives. But before one of those needs can be met, God, you have dealt straight to our hearts. And we bow before your authority and say, help us, Lord. Both I and my Father's house, we have sinned against you. Lord, would you help us going forward? Forgive us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.